beginning at verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul has written this wonderful chapter that tells us all these wonderful promises that God is good to us. If God is for us, who can be against us? God works all things together for good. And he wraps up the chapter of these last two verses, verses 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither heights nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. These two verses sum up the whole chapter. Chapter 8 starts with some of these wonderful statements like, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul tells us that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be coming. 
He tells us that God works for the good of those that love him. And he tells us that we are more than conquerors. He tells us that if God is for us, what can go against us? And he sums it all up with these verses. I am convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I want to look at these two verses this morning and understand why Paul says he is convinced. What is his reasoning? Why is he so sure that nothing can separate us from the love of God? And if Paul is so sure, does it matter? What does it mean for us today? What should our response be? Is there something we need to do in response to this wonderful statement? So as we turn to this passage, let's just pray and pray that the Holy Spirit would open these words to us and show us their meaning. Father God, we thank you for these promises, these reassurance, these wonderful words that nothing can separate us from your love through Jesus. Help us to see this morning what these words mean. Help us to understand the reasons Paul gives why he is convinced that nothing can separate us. And help us to realise what it means for us, how we should live in the idea that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Father, we thank you that you gave your son Jesus as the means and the guarantor and the power whereby you love us. So, Father, we thank you for that and we thank you for these words and we thank you for this time this morning when we can look at these words. Amen. So, Paul starts by saying, I am convinced. I am convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Convinced is quite a strong word. It tells us Paul has thought about it. The ESV uses, I am sure. The word in the original Greek is something like, I am persuaded. It implies that Paul is thinking about it, he's telling us, he's thought about it, he's thought of all the reasons, he's thought of what might happen. He's going to list in a moment ten different reasons that might get in the way of God's love. And he's thought these through and he's worked out what's going on, can these things actually separate us? And he's come to the conclusion, no, he is convinced. He doesn't say, I hope, or he doesn't say, I think it might be possible, maybe, on a good day, taking all things into consideration, one thing with another, on balance. No, he is absolutely sure, he is convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So how did Paul get to be convinced? As I said, he's got ten reasons there, ten possible ways that we could be separated from the love of God. And he's been through each of them and concluded that none of them can separate us from the love of God. Well, let's try and follow what might be Paul's argument. Let's look at each of those ten things in turn and see what it is that Paul reasons they can't separate us. So, not death, not life, not angels, not demons, not the present or the future, not powers, not height, nor depth, nor anything else can separate us from the love of God. So death. How might death separate us from the love of God? Well, obviously, death separates us from our family, from our friends. It separates us from the presence and the love of our family and friends. But we know that we, if we're Christians, and we love the Lord Jesus as our saviour, death is not the end. Death is just a step into eternity and we spend eternity in heaven in the love of God and in the love of presence of God the Father and Jesus. But if we didn't have that salvation through Jesus, then death could separate us. If we don't follow Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, death is not the end again, but death is when we face eternal punishment in hell. 
without that trust in Jesus, without that salvation from Jesus, we are separated from God because of our sin. But for those of us, as I say, that have accepted Jesus, death is not the end. So how does Paul know that death cannot separate us from the love of God? Paul says, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And that's the key. The love Paul talks about comes to us through Jesus. He says, the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus is the practical working of that love. God gave his son Jesus to die and take our place. Jesus is the practical working of that love. Jesus is also the guarantor of that love, the means of that love. And in this case, Jesus is also the one that says death cannot separate us from the love of God. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. And in verse 10, the writer says, But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And again, in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have, been, who have fallen asleep. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. So the Bible tells us in many places there in Corinthians, also in Timothy, that Jesus has defeated death. Jesus died, and on the third day he rose again and then ascended to heaven. Jesus has beaten death. Jesus has authority over death. So death cannot separate us from the love of God. See the pattern here, and we'll see this pattern through all the other ten things that Paul talks about. Here, death cannot separate us because the love Paul is talking about is coming through Jesus, and Paul tells us that Jesus has authority and victory over death. So if the love of God is coming to us through Jesus, and Jesus has defeated death, then Paul's logic is death cannot separate us from the love of God. So that, when, when Paul says nothing can separate us from the love of God that is through Jesus Christ, he reminds us, that it cannot separate us because Jesus is an authority over, those, over death and these other things. So, how about life? How might life separate us from the love of God? Well, in much the same way as death. Life cannot separate us from the love of God because Jesus has authority. The love of God comes to us, whatever happens. There's a small caution here, though, that while life cannot separate us from the love of God, it can perhaps cause us to fall away and neglect the love that God shows us. Think about what Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 4, when he was explaining the parable of the sower to his disciples. He said this, Still others, like seed among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it untruthful. So there is a way in which life can get in between us and the love of God. And if we get too tied up with affairs of this world, if we get too tied up with our current prosperity, our situation, our friends, our family, or our career, 
it could be an impediment and stop us serving God as best we can. So although Paul is convinced that life cannot separate us from the love of God, we do need to be careful that we don't allow life to hinder our love for God and get in the way of our fruitful service to God. But we can still be sure that however much we fail, however much we let God down, we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So neither death nor life can separate us from the love of God. What about the next two things Paul lists, angels and demons? Can spiritual beings separate us from the love of God? Well, no, for exactly the same reason that Paul gave before, because Jesus is in control and authority over them. 1 Peter chapter 3, Paul says this, sorry, Peter says this, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 22, Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. Jesus was raised from the dead. He's ascended to heaven and all angels and powers are in submission to Jesus. So if they are in submission to Jesus, then they must do what he says. And therefore, it would be nonsense to say that the love of God that comes to us through Jesus could be separated from, could be separated from us because Jesus has authority over them. So angels cannot separate us from the love of God. What about demons? Well, in much the same way, angels and demons are in submission to the authority of Jesus. But think of the Gospels. There are lots of examples in the Gospels where Jesus had power and authority over the demons. Think of the story of the pigs, where Jesus cast demons out of a man and into the pigs, and other occasions where we see Jesus had authority over demons. And turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20. And here Paul is talking about God raising Jesus, and he says, Jesus Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Paul tells us that Jesus has authority over all things, over everything for now and the future. Angels and demons, Jesus is an authority. Keep your finger in Ephesians chapter 1, because we'll come back to that passage a few times. And notice how it parallels what Paul says in Romans 8. He talks about power and authority, powers and dominions, rules, present and future. So it parallels the ideas in Romans 8, and Paul is telling us that Jesus has authority over all these things. So we've seen that, that the love of God, we can't be separated by life or death or angels or demons. The next two, present and future. How could the present separate us from the love of God? Well, it can't. We've seen already in the passage in Ephesians that Jesus is an authority for now and the time to come, the future. So that tells us the present can't separate us from God's love because Jesus is an authority. Think about it a bit more. We might say, well, in the present time, we are such awful sinners that God's love for us can't reach us. But that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that Christ died for us even while we were sinners. In that same passage, in that same chapter we started with, Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
So while we're in our present state, a state of sin, while we are failing God as we are, God's love is still there. The present times don't separate us from the love of God. Our present condition doesn't separate us from the love of God. We might think of the current situation, the, the current strange times where we're all stuck at home and we can't go about our normal life. We can't go into our offices and work. We can't take holidays as we normally would. Does that separate us from the love of God? No, of course not. God still loves us despite whatever is going on. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Again, if I may, I put in a small note of warning there. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, but it's possible that we can let the present concerns get in the way of us responding to God's love. We can get too bogged down in what we're doing today in our day-to-day lives that we neglect God and neglect his love. So not the present, what about the future? We don't know what the future holds for us. Six months ago, at the beginning of this year, we had no idea what this year would be like. But Paul tells us that God will always love us whatever happens. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus himself spoke about this in in Matthew chapter 6. He was talking to his disciples and he said this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to his life? Worry about the future doesn't do us any good. And and Jesus tells us we don't need to worry because God cares for us. Paul tells us here we don't need to worry because nothing in the present or the future will separate us from the love of God. Paul goes on, not powers, not heights, nor depths. So what about powers? Powers cannot separate us from the love of God. What does Paul mean by powers? Well, powers refers to government and authority, the rule of law. How might government or authority or earthly power separate us from the love of God? Well, quite simply, they can't. They could stop us meeting at this present time to respect the current situation, to respect the authorities in this country. We're not meeting together in one building. We're having this virtual meeting online. But that no way stops the love of God. In extreme, the government could pass laws that could ban us from eating at all. They could put us in jail. They could pass laws that limit freedom of speech. But the government can't pass a law that separates us from the love of God. In this country, we still have tremendous freedom compared with some other countries. Yet our religious liberties are being eroded, and they could be eroded further still. But it won't stop God from loving us. Paul knew this. Think about the time Paul was in jail in Philippi. He'd been falsely arrested and beaten and imprisoned by the civil powers. The civil powers had done this to him and Paul couldn't stop them doing it. Yet he still knew God's love and he shows this by singing and praying in the jail at midnight. Again, Paul is talking about the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's the love that is in Jesus, but it also comes to us through Jesus. Jesus, therefore, is the answer to can these authorities overcome God's love. 
There's so many verses in the New Testament that tell us the answer to that. Let's look at, say, Matthew chapter 28. And right at the end of Matthew chapter 28, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Bible tells us that Jesus has all authority over all things, over earthly powers, and Jesus is with us to the very end. That passage we read before in Ephesians chapter 1 again, look at that. Paul said, he ra- Paul says God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. So God has raised Jesus and put him in authority over all things, over earthly powers, over everything in the present or future, and Jesus is an authority, and therefore these things cannot separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus. What about heights or depths? Well, Paul might be talking about physical heights. He perhaps could be talking about our position, our status in life. In terms of physical height, we know that when we climb a mountain, God's love for us is just as true as if we're down on the beach. I love going into the mountains. I love walking in the mountains. And the more time I spend in the mountains, actually, the more I enjoy God's love. For me, the mountains, nature and creation remind me of God's glory and presence and what he's done for us. Nature, the heights and majesty of nature, display God's power and love for us. And our response should be to return that love and celebrate it. There's another sense of height that could separate us from God's love. And this may be pushing Paul's meaning a bit far, but we could think about high station, high office, high responsibility, or perhaps our pride. Not many of us have to worry about this, but some of us have positions where we have we are higher up or in authority. We are leaders in our church or in our jobs or in our families. We need to be careful that we don't let that pride in position get in the way of us knowing and experiencing God's love. Of course, as Paul says, that position doesn't stop us, doesn't separate us from God's love, but it can impede, can stop us from responding properly to God's love. What about depths? Again, physically, depths cannot separate us from God's love. Think about in the Bible, Jonah was thrown into the sea and sunk into the depths of the sea. He was swallowed by a great fish, but yet he still knew God's love. God didn't give up on Jonah, and ultimately the fish brought him to safe land. But in Jonah chapter 2, Jonah said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me, From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Now, how to how deep we go, God's love is still there for us. There are many psalms where the writer talks about despair or emotional depths. We talk about somebody being in the depths of depression. And yet the Bible tells us that no matter how down we get, we know that God still loves us. God will not forsake us. The psalms give examples of that. Depths could be referring to that sort of mental state, we are very low. Or it could refer to being in extreme poverty. And the Bible tells us clearly that whatever our situation, even if we were to lose everything we had, all position, all status, all wealth, God still loves us. Again, think of the example of Paul, the writer of Romans. 
At the beginning of the book of Acts, Paul was a respected, well-educated, well-off, leading member of the governing class. Yet in following Christ, he gave it all up. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Paul knew the reality of depths in his life, of poverty, of misery, of hard times. But he never says that God forsake him. He knew that whatever else happens, God's love is there and nothing can separate us from the love of God. And then the final of Paul's ten reasons, anything else in creation. He's covered all these nine points. He now wraps it up with his big catch-all, besides nothing else can separate us from the love of God. How does Paul argue this? Well, let's go back to that passage in one, Ephesians chapter 1 again. God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name in the present age and the one to come. God placed all things under his feet. So again, Paul's argument is that the love of God comes to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has authority over all things, and therefore nothing can separate us from the love of God. The Bible tells us in so many ways that Jesus has authority and power over the whole of creation. Colossians chapter 1, Paul again writes this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. So Paul tells us that Jesus, Jesus Christ, is the creator of everything. Not only the creator, but he holds them together. He sustains everything, keeps it working. And if that's the case, he has authority over them. If that's the case, how can these things separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus? Paul says first, all things were created in him. So if Jesus is creator, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So that's Paul's argument. He tells us he is convinced of that. He's convinced of that, and having looked at each of the ten reasons, we have to agree, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Great. Does it matter? Does it matter that nothing can separate us from the love of God? Well, of course it does, because imagine where we would be without the love of God. The Bible tells us that we are all sinners, that we don't reach God's standard. Every day, each and every one of us sins and messes up, and nothing we do makes us good enough for the standards of our holy God. God is holy, we are sinners. Whatever we do, 
we fall short of God's glory. The Bible also is quite clear about the consequences of falling short of God's standards. The consequences are death and eternal punishment. If we don't meet God's standards, we deserve to be punished and we will go to hell. If we cannot reach God's standards and the punishment for sin is death and hell, then we are lost. What can we do? Nothing will work. But the Bible tells us God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. No work or nothing that we can do will ever make us worthy of God's love. But the Bible tells us purely through God's love we can have eternal life and life in heaven with God and Jesus. So absolutely it matters. Without God's love we are completely lost and we will receive eternal punishment in hell and only through God's love that comes to us through Jesus can we escape that and have eternal life. So what do we do about it? Well there may be two answers to this and the key is in the passage. Paul says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who is the us? Who is Paul talking to? Well, Paul obviously is writing to the church in Rome, but by extension, he is talking to us. He is talking to all Christians, and the truth of this is that nothing will separate us from the love of God if we repent of our sins and accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. In that situation, we can rest in the assurance that Paul gives here that nothing will separate us from the love of God. But what if we are not following Jesus? What if we have not accepted the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Saviour? In that case, there is something we do need to do because, again, the Bible is very clear that without accepting Jesus, we are lost to the fate of death and punishment. I've been in churches where the, the message is, God loves you. And you can go along week after week and all you would hear is, God loves you and everything is all right. And that's true to some extent because what Paul is saying here is nothing can separate us from the love of God. But it's not the whole story. And if that's all we say, we're leaving things short. Yes, God loves the world and he wants the world to be saved. But God is also a holy God of justice and he cannot leave our sin unpunished. Sin separates us from God and the only way we can be reconciled is through the work of Jesus Christ. Paul started this chapter by saying, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When Paul says nothing can separate us, he's talking to those of us that are in Christ Jesus. If we're not in Christ Jesus, then this promise doesn't apply. The book of 1 John makes it clear and, uh, that we all need to accept God's love. 1 John and chapter 1. If we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar 
and his word is not in us. We need to repent of our sins, to say we're sorry for the way we live, and we accept the precious gift God gave us when he gave his son Jesus to die for us and take the punishment of our sin. Once we do that, once we are following Jesus, then we can claim this promise for ourselves. God's promise that nothing can separate us from the love of God. If that is not you this morning, then nothing is more important than that you know that God loves you. And God does not want to punish you, but he will if you remain in your sin. God gave his son Jesus to pay the price of your sin. And you can know Jesus as your saviour and know the reality of the promise Paul gives us here. The promise that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We'd love to talk to you and tell you more about this. Please get in touch with us through the links on the website and we'd love to tell you how you can know Jesus as your saviour. For those of us that have taken that step and Jesus is our saviour, we can know this wonderful promise that Paul gives us. That whatever happens, whatever happens now, whatever happens in the future, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus. And just finally... Think of what that love can do. We have seen how nothing can stop that love, not death, not life, not creation, not any powers or authority, because Jesus is all authority and power. Jesus' love is so powerful, he has overcome all these things. And if that love can overcome death, life, powers, heights, depths, present and future, that love is not just a nice warm feeling. It's a protecting, enabling, holding, strengthening, powerful love. We should live our lives in thankfulness that we have God's love through his son Jesus and that Jesus is both the means of God's love and the reason why we can never be separated from God's love. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.